0: Well, hello there, and welcome to episode 50 of the Rock Podcast, First Better Pod. We salute you. In this episode, we've, we've reached the letter G in the A to Z of rock. There's the latest news, new rock on the block, and the usual features. So here he is, my partner in podcasting for the last 49 episodes, and hopefully many more. Here he is. It's Brian.
1: Well, hello, Matthew. How are you doing?
0: Uh, I'm am o- okay. I'm a bit jaded, actually, if I'm honest. So, last week or oh, this this previous weekend, this last weekend, gone, I was at the um, inaugural Made of Stone festival, and um, consequently, I'm feeling a little bit battered today. Um, and how was it? It was great. It was it was great. It was it was good it was good it was a really really well organised festival uh, um in the same park as good old rambling man uh but it was it was very different actually um two stages three stages in fact um uh one at each end of the arena and then a, a rising stage called the maiden stage for um new rock acts and it was good it was really well organised uh uh timings were nicely staggered so you didn't sort uh, of run into um you know, we don't kind of overlap too much uh, in terms of watching acts, but it was good. Yeah, it was really good. The weather was a bit iffy on um, Saturday, but you know, on the Sunday it was pretty good. You know, yeah, it's great. It's great. I I loved it. I mean, you know, hopefully it will go on uh, from strength to strength. Um, but uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, you yeah, can ask yeah. me about the highlights. I was yeah, my highlights. Who was yeah? That? Who were who well, were there, your highlights? There were, there, were, there were lots actually. Um, I have to say, I mean, the the whole weekend was very kind of well-run. Uh, sound quality was fantastic. Um, I, I have to say that some of the, some of the kind of um, acts that really surprised me, Skin Dread uh, were on the bill yesterday. Um, they were pretty good with their kind of uh, punk reggae metal fronted by the, the, uh, the, the very charismatic uh, Benji Webb Um Robert John and the Wreck, uh, who we've talked about on this uh, podcast, excellent band, yeah. um, did a great set, fantastic musicians. Um, um, airborne, excellent. I mean, loads of energy. Um, and, you know, the usual kind of Lemmy's Bar stuff and throwing beers in the audience. And you know, uh, he's going through the audience and he's kind of, you know, on the on the back of a roadie kind of thing, the classic stuff. But there was also lots of... Um, You know, other highlights. Um saw um Els Bailey, she was good. Hadn't seen her before, she's very good. Um saw a new band called uh Brave Rival, who are talked about a lot, and I think justifiably really good band. Um they had a kind of lunchtime slot on um on Saturday, and they were they were sort of strangely they were sort of slightly concerned that no one would come up, come to their set, to their set but they were very well attended and they were they were excellent. Chantelle McGregor she was good never seen her before really She's good. good. I've uh, seen Chantelle. Yeah, Chantel. yeah, yeah, she's Chantel. really what good. A, what a guitarist. Yeah, Amazing. She's great. Amazing. Your old friend Glenn Hughes was there. Um did uh, a set of deep purple songs which was pretty good. Um six songs in an hour. <laughs> that's very deep. That's very deep purple, isn't it? You know, improvised improvised sections and bass solos and all the rest of it it's pretty good T- tugs of pantang were there troy redfern um uh kira mack chris barrows collateral it was great it was kind of who to, who's who's who of british rock to an extent with um a few um you know uh american and australian uh friends thrown in yeah, all in all, really good. Phil Campbell and his sons did a Motorhead set. You know, you couldn't ask for much more. Really, it's fantastic. So yeah, Long Long May Made of Stone continue. That's all I can say. Okay. It's a great event. Anyway, it was. It was good. It's good fun. You'd enjoy it when you come next year, Brian. I will do. It's. It is
1: interesting. Mind the the one year where I didn't do all of Rambling Man. It might have been the first or the second one. It was probably the first mm. one. I only came for the Sunday. Oh, no, I came for the Saturday, and was away yeah. on the Sunday, and had absolutely hossed it down
0: yeah. for you on the Sunday. Yeah, it is tough when you're mm. at a festival in the rain. I yeah. mean, it's it's really no fun, and it's all well and good for the you know performers up on the stage because they're under cover and they're running around in their you know t-shirts. and Everything where we're standing there in about fifteen layers. Try to keep dry. But apart from that, it was it was it was great. It was great. Loved it. Uh, Long live made of stone. That's all I
1: can yeah. say. And and talking about uh, bookending things because obviously, mm. um, made of stone. It's the first one of hopefully many. Um yes. I got to see a band that maybe it was their final show in the UK ever. I got to see Kiss, finally. Mm. Finally, Matthew, I got to see mm. Kiss. And with all of the, you know, a, a ba- bands who've who've reformed and it's the end of the end of the maybe, the end of the road farewell tour, possibly, maybe. Um, um, I have to say, Kiss left it all out there. I've never seen so many pirate technics. They did everything. They did the the whole God of Thunder, the blood, the smoking guitars. Paul Stanley was um he, he was on a, a wire that took him to a little sound stage. He was ten feet from me. Um yeah. and and singing strutter um I, I didn't know what to expect, but I'm so pleased I finally got to see Kiss because they were just, they were brilliant. And if they're using backing tapes or enhanced vocals or whatever it is, you know, I couldn't give a jot because mm. they just put a brilliant show on. They were fabulous. I loved Kiss.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing with them. And, it, and since the 70s, um, it's all about the show. And the songs are good. Yeah. But I mean the the show and they broke new ground. I mean, I, I think um with respect to you know production uh at, at gigs um I think they were they were one of the first to really kind of make it into a show as opposed to a gig. Yeah. Um and it's funny are you, in, in the same vein obviously without the makeup I saw I made and I know you saw them a couple of weeks ago I saw them and one thing that struck me about them was that it's a show yes it's not it's not a gig. it used to be like you know five of them and the rest of it but now it's like you know there's a lot going on and everything but yeah kiss yeah well we never you never know you never say never I guess certainly with someone like kiss. <laughs> I mean, I was reading. I was reading. I was reading read an interview with, I think it was um, Klaus Mayen of the of the Scorpions, maybe Rudolf Schenker. and They were saying, "Yeah, I'm not sure why we even bothered with the whole retirement <laughs> thing because we're still going strong nearly 20 years later." So yeah. you never, as you say, you never know.
1: You never do know, really. You know.
0: Um, well, however, talking of retirements, um, I think this is one that's going to stick. The the Eagles have decided to call it a day. Um, they've got a tour in. Um, with uh Stilly Dan coming up. Um but after five decades, as we said, I think was it last time or maybe the time before, uh started as Linda Roddenstadt's backing band uh, in about nineteen seventy two and uh decided to to call it a day. Um we gotta finish sometime, I guess. So um you know uh that's the sadly the end of the Eagles. Yeah and which is uh, it's a shame for Eagles fans of course never see them again.
1: Yeah, I, I when you've got somebody like Glenn, the last time that they toured I, I've I've seen the Eagles a few times on the last 2 3 tours that they've done in the UK. The last one was especially difficult when you don't have Glen Fry. And Glen yeah. Fry if for anybody who's watched the history of the Eagles documentary which is a must view it's <laughs> It's yeah. warts and all. It's brilliant. It is, mm. I, I love that documentary. You can see that the the creative force of um, of the Eagles is Glenn Fry and Don Henley. Yeah. But I think Glenn Fry says it himself when you have a team, there's only one quarterback. And mm. I think through time, everybody's um, appreciated what Glenn Frey did for the Eagles, particularly when they came back in the mid nineties. So he always was the leader of the band and it was, yeah, I think, I think to go, I think to go out as they are doing now, celebrating, you know, 50 years or whatever is the
0: right time mm. to do it. Um, so yeah. yeah great There's you so many of times a, a magnificent legacy of, of course, of, of, of classic yeah. songs. Um, However, <laughs> we go from a band retiring to a band that's making a comeback. Creed! Uh, we talked about Creed once or twice. Oh, I really liked one of those classic kind of late 90s, early 2000s bands. Um, they're, they're returning, um, doing their first show since 2012, and they're doing the Summer of 99 Cruise uh, April next year. In fact, it straddles, just saying, Brian, just, <laughs> just put it out there. It straddles my birthday. I'm just going to say that just in case you want to kind of, you know, think about that as a, as, as a birthday
1: Christmas. present for you. Exactly. Oh, yeah, there you go. You. Right.
0: Okay. But they're doing the summer of, uh, the summer of 99 cruise, which, um, which will be good if you're going on it, um, departing from Miami and, uh, heading to Nassau and the Palmas. Sounds lovely. Um, With Buck Cherry and Three Doors Down and uh, The Verve Pipe, I remember them, and so on. Lots of kind of um, late 90s, predominantly American acts.
1: The Verve Pipe were Mm. um, featured quite heavily on the soundtrack for Rockstar. Is that right? They were indeed. They 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 were indeed, and I think on the bill as well too for that cruise is a great band which I think we have featured as a hidden gem uh, was Tonic.
0: Mm. Yep. Tonic on the bill. That'd, that'd be a great bill. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should uh, save up and and uh, try and stow away on the uh, cruise <laughs> ship. Right. So get out, cash in our green shield stamps. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you, you you never know. So, uh, but that'd be good. Maybe some new material from Creed. Um, however, I'm not sure they need the money. I mean, I was reading today. I mean, they 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 were huge. If you, those that remember Creed in the um, the late 90s, they were huge. They sold um, 28 million records just in the states alone. Really, 53 million, Yeah, 53 million albums worldwide. So. You know, they're not—they're not really necessarily in it for the money. Um, I guess the Autobridge fans might be a little bit disgruntled that um, uh, the, the three quarters of Autobridge are sort of taking a, a step back in time, as it were. But, um, but, but I think they're all, they're they're also busy, aren't they? They can kind of juggle multiple projects these days.
1: I, they they, you know, when they talk about band cycles, so mm. usually what will happen is Creed will get back together, which means they'll do a summer. Uh, they'll they'll do a summer. They'll do the cruise. Maybe they might come over to Europe and do a couple of festivals. You could see them doing rock, rock, AM, ring, possibly yeah. a possibly a download. I c- I could only see them doing download. Um, mm. um, but that then frees Miles to go and work with Slash. Yeah. So, so. it it kind of all you know. Yeah, it we'll get- all sort of inter-
0: intertwines, isn't it? it is, Very nicely. Does. It it yeah. Well, let's see. Looking forward to it.
1: So Matt, uh, another um, band, US band from the 90s, which is uh, we welcome back to carry out their farewell tour is Mr. Big. So Mr. Big are currently in China, in the Far East, kicking off their, their tour, The Big Finish, where they're basically going to do one big loop around the world and then call it a day. So the band, Paul Gilbert, Billy Sheehan, Eric Martin with New Drummer. Nick, mm-hmm. you can pronounce it better than me. What Nick, is it? Nick De Thanks, Matt. So You're I up. I know Nick from his work with Spock's Beard, and I've seen him with Big Big Train. So uh, he's a he's you know a, a great session drummer, but obviously a great singer as well too. One of the things for people that uh, if you if you remember Mr. Big, they're they're very much virtuoso musicians, but. Mm. Um, every single member in Mr. Big could sing and Pat Torpey was probably the best singer apart from Eric Martin in the band. So anybody that was going to come into the band. So uh, I'm super excited for Mr. Big to be um, coming back to the UK early 2024. Hopefully it won't just be a, let's go to Shepherd's Bush and play one show in London or a gig in Downloads. Hopefully Mm. it'll be a decent tour to to uh bookend a fabulous career for mr big.
0: Yeah, well, fingers crossed. But as you say, it's it's there's there's always the potential that they might um uh, as you were saying with Creed they might hit some of the um the European festivals. Um and and Shepherd's Bush which would be fine by me because I can <laughs> get the tube there. Um, <laughs> um where were we? So in other news, I thought of you actually when I saw this piece of news uh recently. So um you you like Brian Adams, don't you, Brian? I do. Your, your name your kind of namesake. Um well he was doing a gig in the US. You probably saw this story. And um he got uh, rudely interrupted while he was playing. And if the gig had been in um in Edinburgh or Glasgow, I'd have put money on it being you. Um <laughs> but this fact. guy re- <laughs> This guy ran on, slightly worrying from a security perspective, I might add. Yeah. Um, So he was playing in uh, Salt Lake City, which is a long way from Edinburgh, so it's unlikely that you were there. And he was playing in the um, so-called Summer of 69, which I've heard once or twice. Yes. In the 12,000 capacity Maverick in, as I say, um, Salt Lake City. And this guy runs on. (laughs) And just sings a line from Summer of '69. and He sings it pretty well. He does well. Yeah, thought,
1: yeah.
0: I thought Brian, is that you? um And then he was he was essentially manhandled in a nice way. They kind of cuddled him off the stage. <laughs> and um, I thought, well, uh, uh, Brian Adams, God bless him, he was the consummate professional. Uh, just kind of carried on. He went back to the microphone and sang the rest of the song.
1: It, did. it was brilliant. It was
0: if it if it had been staged
1: it could have been better choreographed because mm. you say he sang he sang the first line got escorted off and Brian that's stepped right. forward and just
0: played it was Brian. Exactly. yeah exactly. maybe that'll introduce a new section in his show because as, as we've said many times Brian Adam Brian Adams quite often uh, brings up uh, normally a young lady or a, a lady to, to um, sing is it baby when you're gone thats when song? you're gone Mel C's part. when you're gone yeah and they'll see. And uh, as we've said many times, you get a variety of different standards and qualities. Maybe <laughs> he's going to let the audience or member of the audience think Summer of 69. Or maybe not.
1: Well, it, it, it's really interesting. You, you talk about that uh, little bit of news. I was uh, watching a fellow podcaster, Justin Hawkins, mm-hmm. and... Oh, yeah. Justin was talking the other day about uh, there seems to be an alarming rate of um, fans chucking things up on the stage. Mm. Um, And Justin was sort of going, look, guys, because if I don't want to say famously, probably more infamously, Justin doesn't drink anymore, gave up alcohol many, many years ago. And -hmm. he was doing a gig in Vienna and somebody decided to chuck a pint of beer on him. No. no. Okay. And you kind of go and 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 mm. Justin Justin dealt with it as Justin Hawkins would do, very very nicely, and just sort of said, "You know, I'm here to entertain you. Why do you think I'm going to find it fun that mm. you're you some you chucking a bottle of uh, your your beer over me as somebody who is a recovering alcoholic? Why would I yeah. think that's fun?" And he went out to discuss the the, the golden rules of going to gigs. And he said, uh, you know, don't chuck things at the artists because Mm -hmm. it hurts. And one of the other ones, he said, don't come up on the stage unless you're invited. And when Mm. you're invited, don't overstay your welcome.
0: Mm. Yes. Wise words. Yes, indeed. Yes. Everyone should abide by that. Yes. Including you, Brian, because I know you're always (laughs) tempted. And, uh. Even, even I was tempted, uh, made of stone, to do the old Rocky Oki. Me! Hey. I, invi- I was invited. Let's that. So, Brian, um, episode 50. Mm. So we've done, we've done 14... You probably probably know this because your maths is okay. Your guitar playing's average, but your maths is pretty good. Um, 49, nice. episode 50. We've done 49 episodes to date. Um, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed the last, was it, three years? It's Yeah, it's coming up three years. Yeah, I've, mm. I've, le- I've learned loads, Matt. Have you? Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> <Yep>. I've learned. <laughs> I
0: fear there's something coming.
1: Um. Well, I do think that in three years, you know, we, we started off promisingly with, with 10 listeners. Yes. And in
0: three years, we've now developed 14 yeah yes, it's going well, isn't it? Well, that trajectory by episode you know, five thousand will be up to about thirty. so um, yeah, you know it's great uh, yes yeah, we got a, we got a few more than fourteen we've we? We got we've got no we've got no budget still, but yeah we've got a few more than fourteen listeners, thanks yep. to Radio Rock Scotland as well, of course, for putting us on every third Tuesday. I mean that that that's very nice of them, we appreciate that. um sorry, Brian, you're about to say um I, I, what I've also learned is, I can't do impersonations as well as you. Well, that's very kind of you to say that. Um Well to be honest with you, I've only got three. Um Coverdale, Iomi and and uh, Brian Tatler. But I was told this weekend my my Iomi and Tatler uh, are very similar. In other <laughs> words, they're my kind of go to Westminder's accent. Uh I'm working on Brian Johnson. That's more to come on that. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I know. Well, I've i learned, I've learned a few things as well, Bri, if I, if I may interject, um, I've known you for a long time. I didn't realize you'd done 15 years at university. Of course, that was a, that was a revelation <laughs> to me. That one, um, meatloaf jacket. Yes. Uh, loved, we're still holding out for that. I, I yeah. think you should have a good rummage when you're back to seeing your mum next time. Yeah. And see if she's got it stashed away. Maybe, in a she's probably got it in a frame. That's probably why I haven't seen it. It's probably tucked away somewhere. Um, I, um, we've talked about the kids. We haven't, we've never seen the kids. Yeah. We haven't seen them for a while, but we talked about them quite a lot. Yeah. And I hope they Are they doing all right? By the way, are they, have you spoken to them lately? Kids, kids are, kids, kids are all... off.
1: Kids are off. Kids. They're on their holiday. They're all working at the moment. They're on the work experience Like McDonald's. Kids want to rock there, don't they?
0: Yeah. <laughs> kids, the kids are all right. Kids are all right. Are they, but they still live in Britain, Britain. They're not the kids in America, are they? No, they're not. <laughs> well, were we? Right. Anything else before we move on? Um
1: I I I have to say the um episode if I had to choose an episode Matt which is my mm. favorite episode yes. that we've done was our episode 8 where we discussed mm-hmm. um our perfect festival um yes lineup
0: festival Bryfest and Matstock wasn't it?
1: Yes, Bryfest and Matstock yeah. and mm-hmm. and how we did, how we came to the the thought of um David Coverdale and and Ronnie James Dio having a glass of brandy and and whiskey after the uh, after the festival having a drink and you and I thinking it was a good good spot that Judas Priest would be special guests mm-hmm. so that they could get back in time for uh, Eventually from my today to the day.
0: that, that, mm. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's all about timing. Yeah. Ultimately. And, uh, yeah. And also Ronnie Dio still hanging on to his swords about two, hour, <laughs> two hours after the gig is finished. Um, yeah. And we're going to rush the episode now, but I would, I would urge everyone to go back to episode, maybe not episode one, where we're kind of rabbits <laughs> in the headlights a little bit, but, uh, maybe yeah, I say, start at episode seven or eight and then yeah. work, work forward from there. When you've got a spare forty-nine hours or something to kill, yes. <laughs> anyway, it's all good. I do. I enjoy it, and I and and we've I mean, we've always said this: if we could if we can inspire people to listen to music or check out a band or a singer or a book or a film or anything, then we've done our job. And if we bring a bit of fun as well, then yeah, you not know, we, no, we really more than that.
1: Uh, and I think what's been nice is when you look back over the last three years. Rock music in general is thriving with young bands. You know, we you talk oh, about you know, the karma effect, the dust coda, you know, Robert John and the wreck, Dirty Honey. I, mm. I remember a very early episode where we talked about the young band from the northeast of England, Eden Thorne, who I think's got, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully some new material coming out. So it's it's mm. it's been great not to just listen to the, your, your usual um, go-to ACDCs and Thin Lizzy, etc., it's forced mm. us to listen to New Rock on the Block, you know, so it's Absolutely. great.
0: Absolutely. Sounds like a good cue, right? for... Yeah. New Rock and the Block. There you go. And we've got three
1: albums to review for this episode. Um, mm. We have the new Greta Van Fleet album... We have the Dusk Codas new album, but we're going to kick off this part of the show with the new album from Luke Morley called "Songs from the Blue Room." What did you yes. think
0: about? It? Indeed. Well, I'll be honest with you. I was expecting blues songs, which uh, when I saw the title, um, but uh, not, not, not much blues. There's not much of a blues vibe going on. To be honest with you, it was written. Um, Written during uh, lockdown in two thousand twenty, and you can hear you can hear Luke and his acoustic guitar a lot of the way through the album. Um, if you're expecting a thunder album, then you'll be sorely disappointed because it's a good album, but it's it's I wouldn't say it's a rock album by any means. Um, it's got a good voice; it's very reminiscent to Joe Elliott at times. I thought um, in terms of the sort of mid-range stuff. Um, but an interesting mix of, of of songs and styles. And as I was listening to it, I was scribbling down all sorts of um, different uh, kind of, I suppose, influences you can hear coming through. My favourite song on the album is a song called Killed by Cobain, which uh, documents famously um, Thunder's aborted first trip to the US back oh. in the early 90s, when all of a sudden... Kurt Cobain, uh, the subject of the song, um, uh, basically took the world by storm with uh, um, Smells Like Teen Spirit and then the whole grunge thing kind of erupted and that was kind of the end of Thunder's American Adventure. So that's a clever clever song. Um, Good production. It's very kind of stripped back, isn't it? Um, Almost folky in places. Very much. It's got
1: quite quite Americana type feel to it, yeah.
0: Yeah, indeed. What did you think, Brian?
1: Um, it's, it's very introspective as an album, you know, it's, it's I think you paint the picture well of, you can see, look, sitting around the campfire with his acoustic guitar hmm. singing about what's going on in the world. And what, you know, as you say, what, what, what could have happened if grunge didn't hit or yeah, it's a very, uh, eclectic album um mm. it's a true solo album because he plays every single instrument on the album apart from the drums so right. he plays so he plays everything so you know there's there's a couple of tracks on it where it's got nice piano um harmonica so Ooh. you can tell it's been a it's probably been a bit of a labor of love for him he's had he's had plenty of time to to pull it together Um, I, I could, the American influences, I was, I was hearing, you know, it's that sort of early mid seventies, bad finger America, bread, um, but, um, and thinking about sort of in the song, the songwriting, as you say, songwriting's from, from Lucas top notch, you know, when you look at his output over the last two, three years, to you know, from a Thunder's perspective, to put out, you know, um all the right noises, mm. dopamine. I think one or if not both of those albums are double albums, you know, or at least the content of them. We're looking yep. at 14, 15 songs plus per album. And then he's able to put together this album. He's he's a very prolific songwriter. Mm. I just feel I dis- I would describe look as a latter day Pete Townsend. Great mm. songwriter, great producer, brilliant guitarist, obviously mm. multi-instrumentalist. But some of the songs are just crying out for either Pete's shoulder, you know, his former partner in the Union, which I think yep. this is where this, this if you listen to the Union's albums, it's a lot more folkier faces, mm. got that feel to it rather than Thunder. Thunder, you know, are, are just a meeting two veg classic rock band. And yeah. I was just, there was some of the songs I love. Um, I love the last track on the album. It's, oh my goodness, you know, um, uh, in terms of uh, Don't Be Long, it's got lovely slide guitar, mm. but it would just be so much better served with a vocal from Danny or, um, you know, Pete oh, Shoulder.
0: Pete.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm not knocking what looks, looks got a lovely voice, mm. but his songs just, the, the, those good songs deserve a a great singer singing them.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I would agree. I I, I like your analogy with uh, Pete Townsend. It's a it's a it's a good one. Um. But yeah, Bowman's have a have a listen. It's it's. Uh, I I I may have coined the expression "Sunday morning rock" on the last <laughs> podcast. I may have not. I mean, I'm going to copyright it anyway, uh, just in case. Um. But this I would I would suggest falls into, falls into that category as you said, there's a bit of kind of seventies and he, and he was a child of the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Morley. So, he, you know, he's probably going to be influenced by, but I wrote down, believe it or not, I wrote down 10 CC. Mm. This is all around the song. Damage 10 CC, Billy Joel, hints of that a bit of Leonard Cohen, um, in, in there as well. Gilbert O'Sullivan even. Yeah. Which again are all kind of late sixties, seventies, eighties, um, type, uh, artists. Um, and as we'll go on to talk about in the context of the other couple of albums, you you can't help but be influenced by your, you know, your heroes, as it or the music you listened to when you were when you were young. Um so um but yeah, go and have a listen to Songs in the Blue Room by Luke Morley. It's been out a few weeks, but it's well worth checking out.
1: Absolutely. Good album.
0: Yeah. So that takes us to the new album by The Dust Coder. Now Duscoda were film, formed in 2013. Um come from London. And um this is their third album. Oh, in fact we talked about um their, their last album, Mojo Skyland. I think it was a hidden gem uh, a few episodes back. Um and uh as I say, Loco Paradise is the new album by Duskoda. What did you what do you what's your take on it, Brian? I loved it. How did you I loved it i um
1: I was so impressed with the Dust coda when they supported Smith Cotson. Uh, mm. they were a band i d- I didn't know at all and um um John Drake's vocal is just um it's just reminiscent in parts to miles Kennedy mm-hmm. um there's there's hints of Chris Cornell um the oh yeah the lat i think one of the latter tracks in the album is just um it just reminds me of pro jam uh it won't be long so it's got that it's got that lovely cl- um it's it's not a hard rock album it's mm. it's quite there's quite a rootsy feel to it and great it, it's just great songwriting i love the arrangements um i think paul rogers if paul, paul if you're if you're listening to our podcast mm. at all Um, uh, don't bother listening to the track, the, the streets at all, because, uh, you might be wanting to have a wee word with the, with the boys to say, it just seemed very, very similar to shooting stars, but in the context, still, still a lovely song. If I had one gripe with the album, Hmm. Matt, um, I thought production of the drums and Hmm. the bass it felt that the drums weren't really pushing through. There's a track on the album which is called call out the dogs. Which is a great, great yep. song and the drums are just so low down in the mix and then you listen to some of the other tracks and the drums are up. So to me when you've got a four-piece band playing as, as g- good songs and great arrangements I just would have had the I just would have had the drums a little bit higher in the mix just to mm. to drive the songs a little bit forward. Mm. But that that's that's just that's probably a personal preference for me, Matt, around mm. where I like
0: to hear drums. Yeah. What do you think yeah. about? Oh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I thought it was an excellent album. Um, certainly one of my favourite albums of this year. Mm. And um, I mean, they're, they're, you're right. I mean, they're a very, very classy act. Um, and they 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 sort of stand and they get labelled with the new wave of classic rock, along with the you know massive wagons and those damn crows and collateral and Mason Hill and everything. But these guys are they've got a certain kind of cl- classiness about them, and and their um, their musicianship, as you say, John Drake singing um, is is excellent. He can go through the gears through the octaves, um, and you're right. There, there was there was hints of. Um, uh, Sound Garden, there's hints of Zeppelin in there, but not in a kind of a particularly obvious way. A little bit of Rush, even dare I say, yeah. uh, with, with the sort of high pitch, high register stuff. Sometimes you, you know, naturally you're going to hear a bit of Geddy Lee or Robert Plant or even Chris Cornell. Um, my favourite song on the album is um, a song called there's, "There's so many good songs on the album. I like the Streets. I, I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard that kind of shooting star." I'm going to listen to it now and maybe I'll hear it. Um, I really like the song come the night, which is uh, uh, dedicated to Taylor, the late Taylor Hawkins, which is, is, is quite nicely done. It's a good song. Um, road to hell and call out the dogs. You mentioned call out the dogs. Um, they, they really rock along. Yeah. If you want to, you know, a, a really good sort of album open road, road to hell. Um, and then you've got, you know, a couple of nice ballads, you know, fair weather, love. Um, and, um, and then Love Sick is a bit more sort of, you know, upbeat love song. But um yeah, I all in all to say, I mean, certainly, you know, one of my albums of the year by by some distance. Yeah. And um worth the wait. Um, let's say 3rd thir- been going ten years, third album. And um, yeah, check it out. It's doing well in the charts as well, which is good. Good to see. And um and, uh, yeah, let's, let's hope they kind of take us, this takes them to a next level in terms of, uh, um, you know, headlining decent venues and, uh, going from strength to strength. Uh, yeah. Local Paradise by The Dust Coder, Go and check it out. Excellent album. So the final album of our trio mm. for new rock and
1: the block, Matthew, is the new album from Greta Van Fleet, Starcatcher.
0: Yes, indeed. I'll be interested to hear what you think of this one. (laughs) Um, Well, I really wanted to like it. Um, And uh, I do like it. I uh, I think the thing with Greta Van Fleet, I mean, the average age of 25, just phenomenal. Uh, the, the, The quality of playing and obviously singing, Josh Kiska's vocals are just off the range. But as I was listening to it, I was thinking... you. A, they can't help but write sort of big epics packed with symbolism, um, but also they just can't help to sort of <laughs> step into the sort of Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin kind of shadow, as it were. Um, I thought they'd sort of left it behind with their last album, uh, The Battle of Heaven's Gate, which I really enjoyed. I, yep. think, I think I said on, on, on this that, um, you know, it's one of my favourite albums of 2021. Um, this has got some great moments on it and, um, but it's got, I think the problem is once you sort of hear a little bit of sort of zeppness, as it were, you go looking for it. Um, and I don't. Th- and the thing is, we said many times before, if you're going to be associated with someone and likened to someone, I mean, Led Zeppelin, one of the greatest bands ever. Yeah. Um, and, and as I mentioned earlier, I saw, um, airborne at the weekend. I mean, airborne have got some, similar to AC, similar to ACDC. So, you know, it's not uncommon, but um, there is a lot of, there's a lot more zeppness in this album than there was in the last album. Songs like Fate of the Faithful, which is the opening track, reminded me very much of No Quarter. Um, Sacred the Thread has uh, got that, almost that uh, When the Levee Breaks drum pattern at uh, the beginning. However, my favourite song on the album and probably my song of the year so far despite what I just said, meeting the master, I think is an absolute masterpiece of a song. And, um, and I said, I think I said on the, in the context of the, um, the last album, um, very similar to a song called heat above, which is on the, on the previous album, very uplifting and just an amazing performance by Josh Kiska. Um, So, you know, I think it's one, another album you could immerse yourself in and, uh, you know, enjoy it um try to put aside the the, the zeppisms as it were because it, it, it's difficult to do that but once you put that to one side you know it's it's the the quality of this the the, the performing and the songs um albeit packed with symbolism is um you know it, it's it's very very good i mean it's you know, amazing to, to think that these guys are just you know very you know youngsters and they're this stuff out. I've said a lot, Bri, but, uh, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, I think that's enough. Back to you, my friend. I, I, I feel as
1: if you've, you've just
0: read taken, your notes.
1: read my notes. Um, the, the I, I felt, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but that's good. I, my sense of listening to the album, I, I'd forgotten the zeppelinism on the second album. And as mm. you, and it's just when you listen to the, it's just, they're bringing they're bringing those influences back in, and you kind of going, guys, you don't need to do that. But bear in mind, there was elements of the um, of the vocal and the performances where they were still being a little bit more progressive, and I was hmm. hearing, you know, sort of the, the I was hearing more Getty Lee in the vocal yep. and Rick Rick Emmett from uh, from Triumph, and even hmm. sort of quite Traffic you know, sort of very progressive, super Trump, Barkley, James Harvest. There was elements Mm. of it where it was, but you were just signposted to when the levy breaks, as you say, to sacred the thread. And I couldn't agree with you more that the, the standout track on the album is meeting the master. It's just epic. You know, Mm. we're, we're in that, you know, I I wrote down a note of going to California and then i was no, no, no. It's you're more in the range of babe, I'm going to leave you. Yeah. Um, it's just so spacious and, and you've Mm -hmm. got to, I think you've got to give credit to Dave Cobb. Um, and I would be really interested because Dave Cobb has produced the likes of, um, uh, rival sons and there was parts of the album where I'm thinking this is what rival sons, there was some similarities in terms of where rival sons could have gone that Zeppelin route, but they've gone different. Mm. They've gone that more. Mm. They've th- their new album's gone a little bit more fuzz rock. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be another grower, Matt. Um, mm. It'll be one I think I'll listen to. But uh, yeah, a little bit of a step back from the from the second album, which is a little bit of a shame. Mm. But who knows? You know, in a couple of years, I might you know. I might think it's their their masterpiece.
0: Yeah, possibly. I think the, the thing to remember is, and we touched upon it earlier with the um with to an extent Luke Morley and and the Dust Coder. Um, these guys, I mean their parents are our age, Brian. So <laughs> you know they, they've been kind of almost indoctrinated to a lot of the bands you mentioned and 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 uh, there's a hint of Crosby Stills and Nash in yes, there. And yeah. as you say, you know, all kinds of Sort of classic rock, um, 60s, 70s bands, and it just gets in your, you know, by osmosis, it kind of gets in your DNA, doesn't it? So, you know, you can't help but sort of think, well, yeah, understandably, they're going to be the three brothers, the Kiska brothers, yeah. um, they're going to be influenced by, you know, their parents who are, were who probably playing, as you say, Traffic and Crosby, Stills and Nash, and Zeppelin and Paul Rogers and Bat, and so on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, again, another album well, we're checking out. I mean, just our view, of course. Um, but as you say, I think meeting the master is is is. If it's not my song of the year, i would be very surprised because I, I think it's an absolute, it's an absolute joy to listen to. It's an absolutely, um, as you say, an epic, amazing song. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um. So that was um. That was the the new album by Greta Van Fleet, Starcatcher. Yeah. So, Matt,
1: for Unsung Hero this episode, I thought I knew everything about Thin Lizzy. Mm. And as you... I I thought so too. Exactly. And as you Mm. said in episode two, when I got to the 76 CD box set of the Rock Legends piece, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I had everything. I learnt this week that the gentleman in question who will be my Unsung Hero... Uh, for this episode was actually asked to join Thin Lizzy do you remember really? the famous the famous night before Thin Lizzy we were going to go off on their world tour with Queen um and Brian Robertson headed down to the speakeasy and mm. got his his hand uh lacerated yep um and uh Brian Robertson didn't do the tour and Gary Moore did it this gentleman, Mr. Pat Travers, was quite friendly with the band and he had been asked, he went and jammed with the band and he could have played instead of Gary Moore at, uh, on that tour with Queen. And it got oh. me thinking, there's somebody that we don't talk about very much on the show is Mr. Pat Traverse. so... uh I, and I just thought, wow, you know, I've seen Pat Travers, you know, it, Pat's well known for, uh, his, uh, his, uh, bar drinking anthem of snorting whiskey. Mm. But I, I just wanted to call out, um, a couple of albums, maybe we stick a couple of tracks on the playlist. Um, but his go-to, his go-to album, um, uh, is Crash and Burn, which is 1980, yeah. Um, and Pat always had around him amazing musicians. So if you think of the, you know, if you think of the band that played on the Crash and Burn album, he had Tommy Aldridge on drums. Mm. He had uh, Pat Thrall, who's an amazing guitar player who who played with Glenn Hughes and Meatloaf uh, and Mars Cowling on bass. Now, that was a cracking four piece. They recorded Crash and Burn, which has got uh, Snort and Whiskey. It's got a great version of Born Under a Bad Sign. But um, I would go back to 1979 and his live album, which is recorded with the same band. And you can hear Tommy Aldridge on it as well. Tommy's drumming's mm. amazing. It's it's uh, the Pat Travers Band Live. Go for what you know. Uh, put whatever tracks you want on. Um, Boom Boom, Out Go The Lights is probably one of his big live favourites. But I just wanted to shout out Pat Travers. There's so many great... Um, Great mu- musicians that have played in Pat's band, even Nico McBrain. Uh, 19- that's right. Yeah, that's right, Nico was in yeah. the Pat Travers band. Karma and I Peace. I've uh, mentioned, you know, we've mentioned uh, uh, Tommy Aldridge. He's had some really, really top-notch uh, musicians go through the Pat Travers band. So my unsung hero for this
0: episode, Matt, is Mr. Pat Travers. Sabriah. Yep. Do you remember the A to Z of rock? I do indeed. Well, we have made it in our merry dance through the alphabet to the letter G. Oh, we're yeah. so we're so close to K, aren't we?
1: Yay.
0: <laughs> okay. Well for KISS. You already talked about KISS. You're obsessed <laughs> with Kiss now. Girl, <laughs> oh, you change your you change your favourite band like the wind, don't you? In Lizzie Kiss. Okay, um, where were we? Yes, we're already at G. Yes. Briar. Um, and uh, where would you like to
1: start? I can only start in the one place, Matthew, with the G man himself. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who know who the G man is, you will know I am talking about Mister Rory Gallagher. For many, that I wouldn't it be lovely, Matt. If you, if you had this phrase attached to you when Jimi Hendrix walks up, when Jimi Hendrix is asked by a journalist, so, Jimmy, yes. who is the greatest guitar player in the world? And it says, don't ask me, ask Rory Gallagher. <laughs> yeah,
0: that yes. That is, drop what? the mic, leave the building. <laughs> I know, that's, that's I mean, that, that's uh, quite amazing, really, isn't it, when you yeah. think about it? Yeah. the great Jimi Hendrix would say that about the great Rory Gallagher. Absolutely. Yeah, uh,
1: exactly. So Rory, uh, for many, you, you talk, you, so many guitarists are influenced by um, uh, by Rory. Brian Mays, probably, if you think of, uh, and I know you put it up on our Facebook page, you know, with with it being Brian Mays' um, birthday recently, and and, mm. I, and they, you know, I... Uh, Brian May talks very, very um, nice about the times that he met. Taste were doing a residency at the at the Marquee, and as a young boy, when he was getting smiled together before uh, Queen, he snuck in to the Marquis and he went and sort of spoke to uh, Rory, and Rory showed him his range booster pedal and his AC thirty amps. And if you were to if you were to look at the mainstays, I know Brian May will have lots of technology, but my, Brian May has his red special guitar, an yep. AC thirty, and he had a range booster, so his sound mm. was so influenced by by Rory Gallagher. Um, yeah, could have joined the Rolling Stones. Um, yeah, didn't. Um, and I would say probably had a. You know, he released something like 14 albums, throughout his, his certainly a his solo career. But where Rory Gallagher was, was best to be seen was live. And I would probably recommend yeah. to our listeners is Irish Tour 1974 um, is probably the album to go to. If you want to go a little bit further back, live in Europe 1972. But I start the G's with the G
0: man himself, Mr. Rory Gallagher. So, Brian, I'm going to go with the obvious one in the Gs. I'm going to go with Guns and Roses. Formed in L.A. in 1985. Um, probably one of the greatest debut albums ever in Apposite for Destruction. Um, followed it up with... Uh, Usual Illusion one and two, of course, and then had that long hiatus, and then came out with Chinese Democracy. Um, still going strong. Yeah, uh, recently played at Glastonbury, as we we talked about that a few episodes ago, and um, and uh, in Hyde Park, um, where some friends of ours saw saw them, and thought they were good. So yeah, Guns of Roses, amazing, amazing band. What a what songs! I mean, what players? Um, <clears throat> the most dangerous band in the world. I think they were at one stage, allegedly. Um, so, uh, yeah, I had a reputation for partying hard, but yeah, what great songs, some, some classic anthems. It, it's
1: quite funny when, when you're the, when you are the most dangerous band in the world. Um, mm. and famously, do you remember they got kicked off? They, they, they got kicked off. I think they shared Geffen. As a record label, so the the newly clean and sober Aerosmith,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: and, and they and they went out. I think they went out supporting uh, Aerosmith, and didn't last very long. I, th- I think it's because, um, particularly Slash and Duff. Come across any time they're interviewed, they just come across as really, really nice guys. So I think Joe Perry and a few of the uh, the members of Aerosmith were sort of getting really friendly with the with the support band, spending some time with them, and it was like management had to step in and go, um, th- "This is all going to end in disaster." So um, they had to be politely um, uh, moved off the bill. Um, yeah, great, great band. And then when they became a headliner themselves and they kicked Faith and more. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, great band. Yeah, of course, they've all cleaned up their act now and uh, looking and sounding good. And uh, let's hope they can continue. Uh, what, else you, what else have you got? Some, right? Someone I had, and this
1: this was in the news uh, um, recently, Matt, got, got me thinking about this gentleman who kind of changed... He, he changed the whole, um, landscape for bands. Um, you know, Mr, if you go back to whenever the Beatles were going, mm. um, and record sales and, you know, grossing tours, etc. you know, it was like the band got 20% and the venue and every, and the promoters all got 80%. Um, so mm. in order for you to make any, any money, um, uh, the guy who turned <laughs> turned it all on its head was Mr. Peter Grant. So Peter Grant was the uh, manager best known for uh, managing Led Zeppelin, and he flipped the 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 record the record industry on its head. You know, no singles um, from Led Zeppelin. Um, for anybody who's watched the movie, um, the song remains the same. He took no prisoners when people were trying oh, yeah. to to sell um, unauthorized um, merchandise, etc. But ultimately, he looked after his artist. He, you know, and he's widely credited for improving the pay and conditions for all yes. musicians um, with concert mm. promoters. So um, I know... Many of the managers in the 60s and 70s, you know, we the stories that we hear about Don Arden and Peter Grant. Um, but actually, he was probably viewed as one of the most shrewd, ruthless managers in rock. But he actually did it from a place of uh really wanting to look after his uh after his artist. Um, and sadly, you know, he passed away in 1995 and his daughter. If you, if anybody out there has a uh, probably a few million quid, she's mm. actually putting her stake, ten percent stake, in Led Zeppelin up for sale. So mm. um, you know uh, that'll be worth a sizable amount of publishing rights for Led Zeppelin. So uh, Peter Grant, music manager for Led Zeppelin, Matt.
0: That's a great, that's a great shout. That's a great shout. As you say, turned it around so that the bank got ninety percent of the the ticket receipts rather than ten percent. Uh or so. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. amazing, amazing individual. Yeah. When I was uh, looking into the G's, of course, you know, I like to go kind of, you know, slightly off-piste. Um, yeah, I talk about gigs, of course. Um, we tend to just kind of talk about gigs. We don't really talk about going to concerts, do we? Festivals, gigs, you know. Been any really gigs lately? But um, and I wonder, and I've always wondered, you know, where I'm going with this, don't you? I, I've always wondered where the word gig came from. G I G. Would you like me to tell you? I would. I'm just pleased yeah. you haven't asked me because I don't know. No, well, I, <laughs> no, I, um, that'd be unfair to throw that one <laughs> on you, wouldn't it? But, um, it's, it, there's, there's quite a few potential derivations, um, possibly from the, uh, Italian word gig or gigay, uh, which is a lively dance form, commonly known <laughs> as the last movement of a suite or, potentially early music. This is what I like. Actually, early musicians used to travel by horse and cart. And the cart was called a gig. We've heard that, of course, in the context of, you know, horse drawn carriages and everything. And when the band reached the next town, they would use the gig as in the cart as a stage. And if you visualize the kind of the traveling showman in the U S or the, the medicine men, women, um, they would quite often open up the the wagon and away they go. So, so, um, Therefore, to do a gig was meaning to go out in the street and watch a bunch of travelling musicians on the back of their wagon. I quite like that, actually. I like quite that. Mental. Yeah, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I mean, there is another potential meaning that from, from old jazz musicians where well, it's, it's short for engagement. Um, not sure I like that one very much, but, uh, yeah, uh, seeing musicians on the back of a wagon. Travelling I muscles. Mean, it still happens. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so yeah gigs where would we where would we be without them brian and where would we be matthew if we didn't have the guitar yeah. well that is where would, where would you be i mean you know you'd be struggling wouldn't you what would you be playing <laughs> the old banjo or where would i be? Mandolin I'd have something? a lot more money in my bank account <laughs> <laughs> that's true a lot more space in your flat as well yes the guitar the guitar yes indeed Electric, acoustic, twelve string—you name it. Exactly, and if you're Geddy
1: Lee or possibly Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, you have all of those on one guitar. His his that's famous true. was it nine nine necked hammer guitar that he that's kind of all the way down to the floor. Oh, no, which amazing, he, yeah, fabulous. Amazing. So another G for me is a great jam band, uh, called government mule. Um, so government mule, um, it's essentially a side project, um, by a, a, a guitarist called Warren Haynes. Warren Haynes mm-hmm. was, uh, in the Allman brothers. Um, so government mules kind of like a, j- a jam, Southern rock jam band, um, and they play, oh my goodness, they, they formed in 1995, um, but they mainly get together um, famously uh, around New Year, uh, sort of for New Year's Eve gigs, a bit mm-hmm. like, you know, in the UK where we've got the Jules Holland hoot and annie. What, yep. uh, what Warren does is Warren gets together with his friends and he'll do a night of. He'll he'll play a night of free, or he'll play a night of um you know uh cream. But what he did maybe about four or five years ago, he invited Miles Kennedy, and after midnight, Miles basically played with Government Mule and they did a set of A C D C stuff. So oh, wow. Warren is just um and they've always they've always had roving bass players. So people like Roger Glover, everybody wants to sit in with Government Mule because you'll just play anything. So I'll pick some tracks, Matt. Mm. Uh, Government Mule, a great band and they do some great covers. They actually have recorded a version of Dark Side of the Moon, which they call Dark Side of the Mule. And oh, really? Yeah, Dark Side of Mule. And it's it's quite uh res- it's all respectful. It's it's all done in a very you can imagine southern rock, really nice groove, but Warren's an amazing guitar player, great singer as well too. So government mule is one of my one of my G's.
0: That's a good shout. Very good shout, actually. Very good. Well, um I couldn't leave the G's without mentioning Green Day, uh one of my modern-ish favourite. Uh, although the big guys is the 90s, of course. You're not like modern anymore. <laughs> um, one of my favourite albums is American Idiot. And one of my favourite live albums is Bullet in the Bible by Green Day. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, fantastic live. Um, amazing drummer in Trey Cor, good, good musicians all around, Mark Dern and Billy yeah. Joe Armstrong. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't leave off Green Day. Again, hugely influential. Without Green Day, there'd be no Busted or McFly, <laughs> or even Blink One Eight Two, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Um, I've, I've a lot to answer McFly. for then, Matt. If they're... <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so um, I've got some.
1: I've got some uh, some notable mentions for me. Yes. Uh, some some bands, um, some bands which which we should mention. Some of some we've talked about in the show f- so far. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to Giant. We've talked about Giant yeah. in the past. Dan Hoff, probably one of the one of the greatest lead guitar vocalists, all meshed into one um, mm-hmm. giant. We, you, and I are both big, massive fans of of Giant. The Georgia Satellites, which probably yeah. goes down as one of the most loudest bands that I've ever seen in a small venue. They mm-hmm. they pl- they played like it was the back it was the back of a club. And they basically came in with the PA for the, for the London Astoria. <laughs> you know, it's Not like, really. you know, the windows are just, oh my goodness. But, uh, always put on a great show. The, um, uh, the, uh, the Georgia satellites and gone, um, gone mm. Scottish oh, band, yeah. um, uh, taken on the world was their debut album. that came out in 1989, um, big big things uh, were planned for them. They actually supported the Rolling Stones. They went out mm. and they, I think, they supported Guns and Roses as well too. Um, and they've eked out a a, a good living. You know, they they, yep. they they still keep playing. Um, Mark Rankins, the original vocalist, no longer in the band. Um, mm. but the two the two brothers um um that 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 are, are still playing. Um. Still, tour. Um. And they do some amazing covers. You know, obviously, mm. word up the cameo cover is brilliant, and they yeah. did a fabulous version of Hot Chocolate's "Everyone's a Winner." That's right. <laughs> Which I love. So, get a That's shout right. out to to Gone from Scotland.
0: Great, great band. Very good. Very good. Well, talking to gigs. Finally. Um. Well, it's, uh, we can't not mention Ian Gillan. Great Ian Gillan from Deep Purple and Gillan uh of course genesis we haven't mentioned them one of your favorites Mm. um in the prog genre um girls school now girls school was supposed to be my first ever gig um, back in 1980 in Norwich. But um, it, it was Iron Maiden in Norwich about six months later. But uh, me and my friend Dave Bennett, we uh, got the train to, we uh, really young, we were about 14, 15 at the time, we got the train to Norwich. And uh, one of those gigs that didn't start at about 10 o'clock at night. So um, girls' school was just about to come on and we had to run away and get the train. Because otherwise, because we had school the next day. Otherwise, girls' school. But still going strong. Falling in 1978, still going strong. Yeah. Saw him recently with Saxon and... Uh, Diamond Head and, yeah, still put on a great show. Grace Under Pressure, Games Without Frontiers, The Garden by Rush. Too many to mention in the letter G. That was it. Next time, H. Yay! Yay. (laughs) Hidden Gentiles. Thanks, Lola. Very good, as always. What well, god, got for Spry. So, Matt, the hidden gem that I
1: have for this episode is from uh, uh, an Irish band called Aslan. Um, Aslan released their debut album in 1988. It's called Feel No Shame. And I suppose in the 1980s, um, any new band that came out of Ireland was always pigeonholed as are they going to be the next u2 you know who who's mm. going to be the next u2 or who's going to be the next Thin Lizzie, or and uh, aslan were were put into that uh into that category very quickly their debut album feel no shame went to number 1 in ireland and by august of this very same year they split up so wow. <laughs> They, they, uh, they shone bright and, uh, burnt out very quickly. Um, in 1993, however, they got back together for, uh, for a charity gig, released a single called crazy world, which is a fabulous song. Um, and they've sort of kept together playing mainly in Ireland. They'll come over to the UK, UK. Um, there's some brilliant songs, um, uh, that we'll put on the playlist. Um, the, obviously, they were led by the charismatic singer Christy Dignam. Um, Chris, Christie had his own demons. Um, he suffered um, heroin addiction, which was probably one of the contributing factors for the band splitting up in, in 1988. Christ, Christy actually sadly passed away on the 13th of June this year. Um, he'd been... Uh, He'd been struggling for quite some time and really just an opportunity, Matt, to call out this classic album as a, as a hidden gem, um, great, great album. Um, and when Christy passed away, you know, singers like Bono, the Irish music community, um, came mm-hmm. out and, you know, paid some heartfelt tributes to Christy. who knows, uh, Aslan may continue. But um, we'll put, put some tracks on from Aslan's debut album, Feel No Shame. That's my hidden gem for this episode.
0: Very good. Very good. Well, I'm going to come a bit more up to date um, with my hidden gem. So I mentioned the Weekend uh, saw a variety of fantastic bands, and one of them was Brave Rival. Now, Brave Rival, uh, I think one of those bands that's going to go uh, yeah, on an upwards on an trajectory. Um And uh, they are from Portsmouth in the UK. Um, Got a really good guitar. Great, great double female singers um, in Chloe Josephine and Lindsay Bondnick. And uh, excellent guitarist in Ed Clark. Very similar in a way to Buck and Evans. Got that kind of Chris Buck feel feel about him as a a player. Um, So my hidden gem for this episode is um, Brave Rivals 2022 album. Life's Machine Uh, features several songs they played at the weekend. What's Your Name Again? Um, Thin Ice, Um, title track Life's Machine, and so on. But yeah, check it out. Good band. Really, they call themselves, or maybe they don't call themselves, but they call themselves kind of Power Soul. Okay. Which I think is, you know, an interesting. You know, twist on the usual terminology, but uh, yeah, check out Brave Rival. Uh, I was very impressed with them, and their album's pretty good too. So there you go, excellent. There you go.
1: That's episode fifty, Don and Dusted in the Can, Matthew. And next time I will see you will be Upper hill in Wheels,
0: mm, up the old mountains,
1: Steelhouse Festival. We will,
0: uh, which yes. is a
1: great, great, great lineup this year. Some. Fabulous bands. I'm looking forward to seeing. Elegant. Absolutely. Weapons. I think the Karma Effect are, are
0: there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 My new favourite band. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, indeed. We look forward to it. I shall see you then. But for now, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to the last 49 and now episode 50. We, we genuinely appreciate it and um, keep listening. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell complete strangers. <laughs> And uh, we'll see you uh, on Spotify, on... Uh, we're on Audible, Bri. Who knew? We are. Uh, yeah. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Scotland Rocks Radio, of course. So check them out. Excellent radio station. We'll see you next time for episode 51. Bye, everyone. Bye. This About a Pod, We Salute You is a Maley Rogers production.